find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. It's Valentine's long weekend, so I decided, you know, I normally do something unusual for Valentine's Day, but I am actually, this is going to shock you all, I am going to do something traditionally romantic for Valentine's Day this weekend on the show. So so I, I, I know you're all probably going into shock. I know you are, but you all are going to love this. This is a very unique love story. And, and y'all would be disappointed if I didn't have a unique something for you. So this is a unique love story. I'm going to introduce you all, and I'm probably going to mess up his last name, and he will straighten me out if I do. Larry Invidaglia? Is that right, Larry? It, very close, uh, Nick. Invidaglia. <laughs> very close. Okay. And uh, okay. here we are. Pleasure to be here. See, I, I did listen when you, when you said that. So I was, I was close. I was close. Yeah. All right. He wrote a book, and I like this title. This is very unique. The title of the book is 126 Days, 11 Minutes, Our Love Story. Now, that probably has you curious going, what? But it's going to make sense. I promise. The book was written to honor the life of Gail and their love for each other. Although brief, Larry considers his relationship with Gail as one of the most profound experiences of his life. He also hopes that 126 days, 11 minutes inspires others to say yes to love even when your logic says no. Larry believes there are many beautiful souls who are looking to discover and experience unconditional love. His book shows it's possible. Let me, let me ask you this because I'm, I'm going to forget if I ask, if I wait. I run into people so often, Larry, who say they're not going to give a relationship a chance if they don't think it's going to last, you know, just just last forever. And, you know, I've had many relationships over time that lasted for a certain amount of time, and then for, for various reasons, they ended. And, and I'm not one of these kind of people that if, if a relationship ends, I don't feel like I failed. You know, it just, it's run its course for various mm-hmm. reasons. What, what do you, do you think I'm wrong about that? Or what do you think about that? Uh, I, I don't, Nikki. Uh, I, I believe connections in life are always for a reason, including love relationships. And some of them last a long time. You can get a couple that meet in high school and they're married for 60 years. Beautiful. And then there's others that people come into your lives for a reason, um, whether it's six months, whether it's a year. Um, and there's a purpose for it. And they're supposed right. to be in your lives for a specific reason. So you learn something about yourself. You learn something about others. You learn something about love. Um, sometimes it could be real good. Sometimes it could be bad. Sometimes it could be <laughs> ugly, right? But, right. But, you, but you learn. So I am with you on that. Every relationship has a purpose, and sometimes they do run its course uh, in that process of open discovery. As long as people are honest with each other, um, I think they all have a purpose in our life, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, love, I love what you said about 
how we we learn something about ourselves because I think I think any relationship we have when it's over we should look back on it and figure out what we learned about ourselves because mm. any any relationship we have learned something we may not like to think about what we learned but we have learned something about ourselves and sometimes and and I've I've had this conversation with a good really good friend of mine is we've learned what we don't want in a relationship what we won't tolerate or how how we need to set our boundaries better the next time we're in a relationship there's there's so many things that we can learn from a relationship and so many things that we learn about ourselves and even what we need in a relationship you know Nikki it's you bring up a great point is um, what what we need and our needs differ it's interesting in the uh, one of the all-time great books about relationships his needs her needs his needs her needs and I think it was uh, Harkey is the author but he, he came up with the five basic essential needs of a man, and this was in a marriage situation, heterosexual marriage situation, and the five essential needs of, of a woman. And there's some deviation to that. There's certainly some exceptions. But I think you hit on the key thing is a need is something essentially you must have. Right. A want is different than a need. But, yes. um, and sometimes it'll validate, right? You'll have a, you'll have a situation and it connects with, with, uh, with a man, if you're a woman, but if you're a man, heterosexual relationship, at least in our discussion here, um, um, and it'll validate some of your feelings and some of your needs. And then it'll also convince you that, well, this person, you know, I can't meet this person's needs and she can't meet mine for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, we have to know ourselves and what we need. What we want is a whole different scenario. I completely agree with you on that, and I love when people say that. I'm like, yes, I get it. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. But we have to know what we need, and we have to look honestly at the person and evaluate if they can fill that need. And no matter how much we care about the person, if they can't fill that need and we can't fill what they need, it's not going to work. So, no. yeah, I love it. Completely agree with you. Okay, <clears throat> now, can you give us a brief summary of 126 days, 11 minutes? I will. I will be brief, and I will give you the the summary and kind of a nice, uh, concise synopsis of the book. Okay. Uh, 126 days, 11 minutes, our love story is about two actively aging seniors in their 60s, Larry and Gail, who meet online on an online dating site and against all odds, perhaps, fall madly in love with each other or captivated by each other very early. And I say maybe against all odds because one of them, Gail, is battling stage four breast cancer and has been for over four years when they first connect. The couple, Larry and Gail, decide to live for the today, certainly not the yesterday, and certainly not looking too far ahead in the tomorrow, and have a very authentic, honest, passionate, intimate, open, 
and nourishing relationship filled with joy, fun, adventure um, for 126 days and 11 minutes. And what they both learn is that it is possible and worthwhile to love with loss rather than never to have loved or risked at all. And I love that. The, 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 the key point is, is that a choice a person made that they both made, Gail made a powerful choice to continue to embrace life and love and putting herself out there with stage four cancer and a single mastectomy. And uh, Larry made the choice to love this person, Gail, this woman, Gail, and to have a relationship where not worry about what either is not going to happen or will happen. And they both listen to their hearts. The, hearts. the heart doesn't have any questions. They both listen to their hearts and said, let's go for it. And, and they did. <laughs> I think in that situation, too, you, do you think it's easier or harder to love unco- unconditionally in that situation? It's easier. Uh, in fact, Gail mentioned to me, Nikki, it's an insightful question. Um, it's impossible to love somebody unconditionally, another unconditionally, unless you love yourself first unconditionally. Exactly. And I had been married 25 years, and I learned a lot from it. I was divorced nine years when I met Gail. I had a couple of relationships, but I did personal work. I, I did some personal work, and and I accepted and respected myself, loved myself unconditionally, and I was able to see that in Gail and be able Despite her cancer, outside of cancer, looking at this person and how courageous she was, and that without any expectations, judgment, or conditions, that, you know, I was, I was going to extend my love as best I can and, and hopefully receive that in return. Well, and it's such an experience when you're going through cancer treatments you know i i have been around so many people throughout my life that had been through it but until you know the winter of 2019 and and 2020 i had no clue what it was like to go through it personally you know and it's it's to say your emotions and and physically is it's up and down and holy crap you know it, it Wow, it just it's it's hard to it's hard to interact with other people, and it just wow, it just really I live by myself, mm-hmm. and although having having help, I think might have been good sometimes. I was so glad that I could just come home and be by myself after treatments. I really, really, mm. were, really was, <laughs> you know, because mm. I, I just I needed that. I but I'm I'm that kind of person. I when I'm sick, I want to be left alone. So, but that's just me. 
So go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you know, you Gail, Gail had, um, she, she pursued also alternative approaches and therapies, and she had a very, very strict regimen uh, of exercise, dance. She was an Argentine tango dancer. That was part of her life. Um, so in fact, cool. one of her photos, Grace's the cover of the book, is one of her professional photographs of a couple doing Argentine tango. But she had a very, very precise sleep exercise. Uh, she didn't work. She was 68 years old, so she just dedicated herself to fighting the disease. And so I rolled with that. I knew what was going to work for her, what right. she was capable of doing. And she had some good days, bad days, but the the two months of the nine weeks, and it's it's shared in the book, um, she was in relatively good health based on the situation she was in, okay? She was able to do a lot. And um, that kept her going until ultimately the, the cancer metastasized came back to her brain. But that was, that was uh, maybe at week 10, 68, 70 days into the process of when I knew her. But she... Um, she felt she wanted to get out there and do things when she felt up to it. And, you know, Nikki, I always saw the best of Gail. I, I never uh, saw her, yes, her eyes would be puffy, there would be things, but she never complained, and she was always upbeat when we were together. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know. I was I was actually just just saying this to to my boyfriend the other day. Something that drove me crazy is when people say you've got this, you've got this. There were there were days I just would look back and say, I'm tired of having having it all the time. You know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. Hey. You know. It's yeah. Gail would tell me on the phone. Hey, Larry. You know, I don't I don't think I can make it tonight. You know, there were days that that happened. You know, and. And, yeah. and then days if she couldn't be there, yeah, she doesn't. But when you know when she was available, she she felt good. You know, I think she felt yeah. good, and I think she was okay with that. And uh, but it's um, it, you know, you learn what people. You know, I think it's the beauty of life and love, Nikki. When when you make that choice to continue to embrace it. You do every, mm-hmm. everything you can based on what you could control to right. kind of hold on to that, you know. Right. And, and uh, that, that's, what, that, that's kind of what I noticed with Gail and the relationship I have with her. Well, and, and when, you're, when you're dealing with a chronic condition, you have to learn what you can control and what you can't and how mm-hmm. to live your life with that, with those factors, you know. Mm-hmm. And the sooner you figure that out, the sooner at peace is going to sound funny to anybody that hasn't had to deal with it. But you, a certain peace does come over you when when you get to that point. I mean, I've I've gotten to that point with with the things I have to deal with, and it's it's like you know I there's certain trade offs you know when you're like okay this I can do this I can't do, but what what other things can I do now that I might not have done before, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, Nikki, that's, that's a great point because I think that's why Gail was able to put herself out there. She said, you know, she was a, a very beautiful woman. She was a full five, seven in her day. Of course, when I met her, she was 68, but 
but she had already had a mastectomy. She had neck surgery because the cancer had moved into that. She had years of chemo, radiation on the brain. Uh, and, you know, as you know, and maybe some of your listeners, this takes a toll on your body. I mean, yeah. you know, come on. Yet she was able to say, I am confident in at least what I have. And I'm putting it out there. I'm not going to throw it in somebody's face, but I'm putting it out there like I could still love somebody. I'm still a woman. I remember that first dinner I shared with in the book somewhat. You know, she told me, Larry, if I couldn't be a woman, I'm not going to be sitting here in front of you. Okay? I'm not a charity case. Nor right. I'm going to sit down there and talk about cancer every time we get together. But it's right. a battle I'm fighting. So she was, she was comfortable, and she had the courage um, the courage to do that. Yeah. I was I was that way the first time I I wore something and my um uh scar from my open heart surgery was was obvious and somebody said something about it. But then I got mm. to the point where I, I had I had people that actually came up or, to me and were offended and thought I should I should cover it up. And uh that got ugly for them. <laughs> so, like, as it should have. As it should have, well, my dear. It's yes. like, it's like, no, 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 no. I said, um, no, this, I, I survived this. I earned this. And if it bothers you, you need to turn your head. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> you know, so, no, nope, nope, nope. Not going there with you. <laughs> so, Absolutely. No. That, that didn't go well. So, so what motivated you to write the book? And and this is a two-part question. Was it was it difficult to write? Um for the second question first, um was it was it difficult to write? Actually no because it was a a method as a catharsis for me. Right. I learned so much from Gail that I felt if I didn't do it, I started writing the book four days after she transitioned, Nikki. Okay. And um, I, I wanted to help me get through. Things were fresh in my mind. I always keep detailed journals. I had voicemails, text, text messages. I had poems, cards. You know, I had a lot of things over the four months that I knew Gail. And it was fresh in my mind, and I, I said, I, I've got to share these lessons. This was a very profound and unique situation. And if I don't do it now, if I don't do it in the next six, seven weeks, I don't think I'm going to have it all together to be able to look back and say, now, what did this all mean? So I decided to take that route. And so it wasn't actually hard to write the book, and I had an accountability person um, Kelly Watson that I gave writing to every week. She kind of kept me on track, which very, which helped. Um, right. So it wasn't actually hard to write, although I had my moments of emotion, you know, during some of it. And actually, in a strange way, COVID helped me write the book, Nikki, because it affected my personal and professional time. So I had more time to write. True. And, True. Makes sense. Um, so, so functionally, that made it you know, physically possible. Now, mentally and emotionally, you know, that's another story, but I felt very, very moved to get the lessons from Gail and to honor her life. 
Um, now, why I wrote the book, um, you know, when I, when I look back, Gail had mentioned on day 51, I think it is, the book is detailed in days. Each day right. is a chapter, and each, each chapter has a title. And she had mentioned she was a photographer for 33 years, very successful one, and had published three photographic books of, of images, of dancers, of, of models, of nature, et cetera. But in any case, she had mentioned, she said, you know, Larry, after all this cancer, I'm really feeling moved to write a fourth book. My, and, and the title would be My Enlightened Journey, Dancing, Loving, and Living with Stage 4 Breast Cancer. And she oh, wanted to, to share that as, you know, lessons she learned and, and how she approached it, et cetera. Well, that book never, she never wrote that book. But the idea went into my subconscious. And, and after she transitioned and passed away, now in no means, by no way, is this an autobiography of Gail. It is not the book necessarily she would have written. But in the process, reading 106 days of blood minutes, our love story, you will get to know Gail. You will know right. things about her. So maybe some of the things I shared, she may have shared in, in her version of her book. I don't know that. She never uh, lived long enough to do it. But that was in my subconscious. I said, you know, maybe this will be something here that she'll live on, albeit in that last stage of her life. But I do share other things about Gail in the book, you know, about her life, but not too much. Mostly it's the time I spent with her. So that was kind of the motivation, the why behind it. And, uh, and also, was it hard to, to write the book uh, in the process of writing? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I, I did the same thing. I, I was so motivated once I started learning how serious the aortic dissection is and how misunderstood and all that. Mm -hmm. And plus, I, I, I mean, my, my life changed radically in, in like less than 24 hours. Um, so I, and I, I needed to kind of work through all the stuff I was trying to absorb. So, and, and I knew that journaling helps to do that. So I actually wrote a, a mini version of what happened mm -hmm. and, and, and the fact that, that, women aren't really told the signs of, of heart failure, which I, I had no clue what was going on because I didn't have any heart pain, no chest pain, nothing. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. After the initial dissection, that was real bad. Um, so I, I actually wrote a, a mini version of what happened and released that along with, there's like 90 pages for journaling in the back of the book. Um, so I, I completely understand the, the cathartic, in the catharsis of, of putting it out there. So I completely understand mm -hmm. the, the need to do that. It, it's funny, though, when I look at that book now, mm -hmm. I, I normally have a very, uh, I have a definite style that I use when I write, and the mm -hmm. style of that book is very different. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because of, of the mental space that I was in when I wrote that. But, I mean, exactly. you, you, can feel, you can feel a very different feel to to the um, to that book when you read it, so it, it just at some point I'm going to expand it and, and of course now I have considerably more surgeries to include to it and that kind of thing. But at some point I, I am going to expand that book. And but, um, uh, you, you hit on a great point, Nikki. It's it's um, <laughs> the space mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically you were in at the time. 
Right. And that, that will not necessarily dictate, but that will influence, right, the mm-hmm. spirit of your writing at the time. No, no question. Right. No question. Yeah, it, it surprised me, actually, because I, I just I got it done and released so quickly that I, I hadn't gone back. And when I, I went back and I opened the book, I'm like, ooh, that's, that's me? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it was just that it, it felt it actually felt cold to me when I read it it's so different so of course you know because I my books have the same tone that I have when I do the show it's very similar mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and it, it was it was it was jolting to me when I when I picked it up to read it so it was it, it's very different I feel so now both of you were in in your mid sixties. She was battling mm-hmm. stage four cancer. Mm-hmm. What made you pursue a relationship? I mean, you were you were both on on dating sites, so you were thinking about it. But were were you when you were on the dating site? Were you thinking about getting into somebody else that that had cancer or or what? No, I wasn't. Um, and. Interesting question. I had said I've been a a life and business coach for um, fitness professionals, people in gyms, studios, and in the fitness world for many years. And one of the exercises we do, Nikki, is we call it a 10 forms of wealth. And we score ourselves from a scale of 0 to 10 on different areas of our life. How are we doing financially, professionally, sphere of influence, adventure, legacy, mindset, spirituality, etc. And one of the wealth areas is love, L-O-V-E. And I was low. I, I set out for the new decade and the new year, like I was at three. And I had had two other relationships, respectful, with, with two women that I had met online. And as you said earlier, they didn't, you know, one lasted a year, the other maybe six months. They were for a reason, but they weren't long-lasting. Um, so I said for 2020, I am setting the intention to get my love wealth area from a three to at least a seven. I mean, I got to do something here, okay? <laughs> so um, I, I got back online, and, um, and it was early. It was like January 6th, and uh, I saw a woman that had viewed me, and it was, it was Gail. And um, I, I, you know, I sent her a text, you know, via the online site, et cetera. And, and uh, she said, you know, Larry, I do better talking. Here's my number. Please call me. You know, sometimes it's unusual, you know, so I I called her. And we were on the phone for over an hour, more than an hour. And she was very authentic, very open. And my goal also for the new year, back this is past January 2020, Nikki, was I wanted to experience uh, align with a person mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I, I... I never really had all four, even though I was married 25 years and all due respect to my ex-wife, et cetera. Um, But I just didn't. So I says, well, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And then after being on the phone with her, I mean, I was, I was very connected with her and she was very open, very honest. She told me immediately about her stage four and I got more captivated the more and more I talked to her, and I really felt I needed to discover more about Gail, this woman. And that led to our date the next night. Um, we went to dinner the, the next night. I, we had the phone call on a Monday and on Tuesday. So, no, I wasn't, but I was so captivated 
and just so connected to her. It was easy. The discussion was just easy, and I, and she was hopeful. She was optimistic on the phone. She said, look, I've battled this for over four years, um, and, and I feel I can beat it. It's going to take some more effort to do it, but I'm optimistic about it, Lair. So that, that's kind of, you know, where, where I was at and what, what attracted me to Gail once I talked with her. I wanted to know more about her, Nikki. Okay. All right. I I see that. Well, and, and you know, you you can't you can't pick the circumstances. You know, you can pick mm-hmm. the person, but you can't you can't pick the circumstances. Okay. Now, I I know because I have cheat notes, and I I have a copy of the book, and I've I've read I've read a good chunk of it. I haven't read the entire book, mm-hmm. but I've read a good piece of it. I I love I love the the part where she fills up in the car. That was cool. Okay. <laughs> And I and I know I know that she she made you promise that you would love again. So yeah. will you? No no I pressure have. in the names or anything, but I have. I have. Okay, good. I, I met somebody specifically once I wanted to move on again. I believe because of hundred and twenty six days, eleven minutes, our love story this lady, her name's Elizabeth, asked me, well, what were your prior relationships, Larry? And um, we, we're contemporaries. We're seniors. And I told her, and then I said, how long did they last? And then the last one, I said, well, my third relationship lasted 126 days, 11 minutes. And she said, that sounds very specific. There's got to be a story behind it. And I shared <laughs> what happened. And I think because of it, she Elizabeth was very intrigued, and um, you know we're still dating right now. Awesome. Yeah. She said, "Not yeah. only is there a story, there's a book about it." Yeah, and she she wanted to read it right away. It was interesting. Some women may not want to do that. Elizabeth wanted to read it right away. Awesome. And I think she maybe felt well, maybe I'll get some more insight into this man. <laughs> I know. So, she did. She did. She read it. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So how does she feel about the book? Um, she feels very strongly about it. Um, she gave me an endorsement, which is nice. Um, and um, she feels, and she told me, she's a learned woman, and she said, Larry, look, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty up front. If I thought your book was, a, you know, not very good, I would tell you. Because I think it's a special book. I think it's unique. I think it's inspiring. Uh, people may know the ending um, in that Gale transition, ultimately. But she says, to me, it's an inspiring book on how a man and a woman could relate and treat each other and love each other um, under difficult circumstances. And then how, how even though a connection may be brief. It could be profound and very meaningful and, right. and life-changing. And, and she said it, it gave me hope again that there's kindness in this world. She said, you know, the real heroes in many cases in life, Larry, are the ones who aren't here anymore, right, that have moved on. They gave their, their all. And, and she said, but, but what you provided for her 
was admirable and genuine. And, and Gail did a lot for you, I know, but she was so lucky to have you in her life during those last four months of it. She says, I think it was just a wonderful thing. And she said, I, I commend you for doing it. I know it doesn't define your entire life, but that was something very special. And, and I appreciate that, that you did that and that you had that relationship with her. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, she was very complimentary about it. So she not threatened that. by it at all. Not threatened by it at all. Nor, That's nor good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that says a lot about her because it's it's amazing the people that feel threatened by things they shouldn't. So mm-hmm. that's that's good. It is See, good, and and I I will say this. I I told Elizabeth I said um, there's no comparison. You know, I'm not comparing you to Gail, or vice versa. You know, Gail was there in my life for a certain reason, almost like we talked about at the outset of the call here, Nikki. Right, and. There was a purpose for it. And because of what I learned from Gail, I'm taking what I learned into the re- my relationship with you now. I'm a better exactly. person. Yeah, well, I'm that's the way it should be. For it. That's exactly. the way it should be. I don't, I don't see why people can't get that, why they have to feel jealous of a past relationship. Because like I said, you learn from each relationship, and then mm-hmm. you carry that to the next one and it, it should improve the next relationship I don't know I just don't know well okay. love is um, you know love is I guess they say what Carol King song only love is real everything else is an illusion <laughs> sometimes love could be an illusion for some people right <laughs> well you know that's that's what we do in our our business lives we we learn something on a job and we take it to the next job so we're better or we should you know, we get mm-hmm. business skills and we take it. Mm-hmm. It's the same in all facets of our life. Why can't people understand that? Okay. But that's a whole other tangent. Okay. We, we, we yeah. stick with the story. <laughs> so, so what benefits do you think people will receive from reading the book? Wow. Um, you no, know, number yeah. one, number one, it's, uh, one of the benefits will be that it's never too late to fall in love, okay? Oh, and, I like that. Um, it's never too late to fall in love. And there's hope there. That um, the other benefit is the, the powerful choices that you can make in life. Um, Gail sometimes said life is, um, you know, maybe life is kind of evolves by choice or chance. But I think some of the choices that you make and the powerful choices you make, in Gail's case, she made a very powerful choice, as I said earlier, to embrace life and love during a difficult time, which turned out to be the last stage of her life. So if you make a powerful choice, there's a chance for something really beautiful and significant to happen. So the power of choice is there. And, And sometimes you have to make those powerful choices under difficult circumstances, Nikki, you've done that. You've done that yeah. in, in your in your walk and your journey, and I'm sure many of your listeners have. Um, another benefit of the book is to learn. You can learn and many lessons about how to be loving with each other. 
in texting, in your talking, in your relationships, in how a man could lead in a relationship and how a woman could respond, mm-hmm. but not blindly follow. There's the Argentinian tango, art imitating life, life imitating art theme of the book. Gail was an Argentine tango dancer. She was okay, and in Argentine tango, the man leads in the embrace. The woman responds to a strong lead. If the man leads weakly or lamely, okay, she's not <laughs> going to respond very well, right? And, right. and I know now in our, in, in our society now, women have more influence, are stronger. They, they have things they're doing that are just beautiful. Gail was okay with letting the man lead because she knew she would respond to a strong lead. She was okay with that. And you can be a strong woman and still follow a strong man's lead. And, and she had that relationship with her tango. So, again, that dynamic can work, can be successful, can be loving, can be non-intimidating if there's an understanding and a great self-awareness. Um, the other you benefit... Can, can I add, add something to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's... I think as long as the strong man is doing it with respect, there's no problem. Correct. Always. Always. Yeah. I have, and, I have seen and, it being done without respect, and I have lots of issues with that. But, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. As, 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 and, and well justified in what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, another benefit is you will um, appreciate the um, – what a person, what people can do for each other. Standing by someone and by their side is worthwhile, okay, even under difficult circumstances. And sometimes that will, and this is a key point, and I share it in the book. When Gail started, um, when the cancer came back, um, it got very difficult in, in a lot of different areas. You will learn that people, if you're open to it, people will come into your life to help you, okay? People will mm-hmm. come into your life to help you. So the benefit is you will learn to accept that help and that support and that assistance, and, and I, I cite many examples in the book. Uh, you will also learn how people on the cancer journey, the benefit is you'll get a, an appreciation for how the cancer journey, there is fear and there is pain involved in a person who is undergoing treatment, but with faith, it will give them the strength to maintain hope. And the benefit is maintaining hope and having the audacity to maintain hope, to perhaps wait for a miracle to happen or the possibility of a miracle to happen is still there. So hope eternal is very, very, very important. Um, I think finally, too, um, you can benefit from the book if you, if you or a loved one, all of us have been touched, um, nearly all of us, there's so many of us, as you know, Nikki, touched by cancer or other types of diseases. It doesn't have to be cancer. You will get a benefit from the book about the unbelievable work hospice people do in the, in the last stages of life. I'm very, very right. complimentary to Parkview Hospice Home and those angels that work there. And also you will learn about get the benefit of your patient's advocate. I turned out to be Gail's advocate towards the end, asking questions, listening to the patient. You will get a benefit of 
how you can really help a person, in this case the patient, Gail, listen to her. Every case is different. Even though you may not agree of maybe the choice she makes, you have to respect it, okay, and help her transition as she wants to transition as best you can. So if those situations come up, and all of us may face that someday, um, you'll, you'll, get a, you'll get some insight onto the hospice experience and, and the patient advocate experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I've, I've always stood up for myself, but it's been very interesting as, as dramatic and as extensive as my situation's been the last five and a half years, um, learning to maneuver the healthcare system and mm-hmm. how to find the people I need in order to make sure things are being done the way I want them to be done and right. finding the records that I want because I'm, I'm making sure to keep copies of all of my records of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I want to, well, I mean, you know, when, you know, when you're when you're in surgery for 12 and 14 hours at a time and then you're in a coma for a week and this kind of thing, I, I want to know what happened when I was unconscious, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, so getting getting all of what you want in your hands so that you can see what happened while you weren't there or while you can get the additional details, you know, and, and knowing who to go to and, and all that kind of thing. It's, um, I mean, even, even having worked in the hospital and being a supervisor at one point, it's, it's hard to get your hands on everything you want. So it's, it's quite, the, quite the journey. It really is. It, it absolutely is, and you have to ask questions, um, especially because you could very easily, Nikki, become a number. And this is in all yep. due respect to the very dedicated medical professionals that are out there. Absolutely they are. But every case is different, and sometimes you could just become a number, and, and you have to know. You do have to. It's your body. You have to know um, what is right for you, where you want to go. And, yep. and to pursue the avenue that you feel you're going to get the best result from, and that's really, really important. Absolutely. Well, I've I've been very fortunate with the vast majority of the people that I deal with on on my teams, and I mean, if there's a problem with somebody, I mean, I I immediately I'm like, no, I want them off. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not yep. no. You know, I mean, I I went in and in about four months ago, I went in and. Somebody actually, as I was walking in to have a CT scan, which I, I do like every six, well, actually every three months right now, to to check the status of everything. And I was walking in to have those done, and I, you know, I walked up to the desk to check in, and they're like, "Oh, that was just canceled." I'm like, "Excuse me," you know, mm-hmm. and I I know why it was it was scheduled, and um, she said, "No, no, no, your your provider's office just called and canceled." And I went upstairs and went, no, 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 there's a reason it was done. Who did this? And I, I found the nurse that did it. And she said, oh, well, I, I didn't feel it was necessary. I said, well, who cares what you thought? You know, no, mm-hmm. no. The doctor and I discussed this. This is why it was being done. And so we, we had to reschedule and I had to go back again. But it's like, it wasn't your, it wasn't, was not your call. <laughs> you don't know mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, no. 
and, and turns out that that it it was very needed and and when I went back and had it done, we now have to do surgery again. So she was incredibly wrong. So you have to stand up for yourself. You, you do, and that's um, and maybe that's the other benefit. Um, you know, just a quick add-on here. Gail always said, um, you know, how important it is to stand in your truth. Okay, and when you stand in your truth and to your core values, and don't deviate, and you you know who you are, and mm-hmm. um, you have great self-awareness. Don't deviate from that. Don't let somebody talk you out of something. And and she stood to her truth to the end. So the, there's a benefit to that. And that actually led to, and I shared in the book, um, the process that we had to go through to get Gail into an inpatient hospice home here in San Diego. There's only, there's not very many of them. There's only three of them. One has four beds. Uh, two of them have four beds. The third one has six beds. And they have, uh, it's covered by Medicare, and they have 24-hour nursing care uh, in two shifts. And it, it, there was a variety of reasons we were able to get Gail in there, some unbeknownst to me, but we were able to make it happen. And that's because Gail knew about her cancer. She knew how she wanted to transition, and, and we were able to make that happen. And I shared in the book as to some of the things that came to pass, but it's a lot of things what you just shared, Nikki, about asking questions, saying no, asking another question, and then pursuing that avenue that you feel is going to work best for you. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and, and I've I've taken a lot of time over the last five and a half years, too, to get to understand the condition. You know, and then I had genetic testing done because no, nobody could figure out why this even happened to me. I'm like, okay, my, my world has been flipped upside down. My health is drastically different than it was. I want to know why, you know. So and when I was diagnosed with cancer, they, they offered to, to do the genetic testing for me. And after my mom died of cancer, I said, okay, I, I want to know. I want to know some things. You know, so mm-hmm. I went in and I had, I had aortic testing and, and cancer testing done. And um, so I, I actually have answers now. You know, and so that gives my, my doctors some extra things to to gauge and keep an eye out for, and um, absolutely, you know. So it, I, it's nice to. I don't know if "nice" is the right word, but it's it helps to have some answers. It helps them to have some answers to know. Um, actually, answered some questions about my dad's health from when I was about eleven or twelve, you know. Mm. Um, but it. And, and like I said, doing research, I'm I'm in a in two support groups in Facebook that I can go in there and everybody there gets it. Everybody understands mm-hmm. those frustrations mm-hmm. I have every day, you know. And if I'm upset mm-hmm. about something, I can go in there and go, okay, y'all, you all understand because y'all deal with this every day too, you know. Have you had and in, in like with the the surgery coming up, I can go in there and say, okay, this is what I'm facing, you know, what what. Have have y'all had you know what kind of recovery time did you guys have? Is there is there anything specific y'all can think of? I need to ask the doctor before we do this because I've got like a, a pre-op workup coming up in a couple weeks. You know, so it, it just I I like to be forearmed. I like to when I go in there, I like to know what I'm talking about. And the thing is, the doctors respect that. And so when, when I do have questions or something comes up, I mean, they sit down and they have intelligent conversations with me. You know, I appreciate that. I want to know what's going on, 
you know? Absolutely, so. Nikki. And, you know, you hit on a great point. What, what that, there's a difference, boy, this is so important. Um, there's a difference between reacting to something and then yes. responding. Now yes. you, you have laid the foundation with your doctors and whoever else on a response, not yes. a blindside reaction, which is a huge yes. difference. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and when we when we did the surgery in 2019, I, I actually had an aneurysm that was that was so tiny nobody cared in November, and by the time I went in in June, it was like what 6.8 centimeters, and I mean she basically said, "What are you doing later this week? You need to be in surgery now," you know. Mm-hmm. So, and and at that point. We sat down and we made all the decisions, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. and I understood what they were talking about. That's the kind of research that I've done. That that you know, I I understand where we're at, you know, and I can I can sit down with them and help make the decisions. So I know what we're going to do, you know. So you know, it it, just, it makes a difference. I I don't I I I want them because they're they're the professionals. But I, I want to understand what we're doing. You know, if you're going to crack my chest open, I want to know what we're doing. <laughs> you know, you know it's interesting you like say it. that, Nikki, and, and, and kudos to you. I had a question somebody asked me in, in regard to Gail's situation. He happened to be a physician, a friend of mine I went to college with. But anyway, he said, you know, Larry, did, do you really understand the extent of a stage four diagnosis and what it is, especially if somebody has been through... Uh, surgery, then radiation, uh, surgery to her neck. So that means it moved from the breast to the bones, to the cervical, to the bones, radiation on the brain. I mean, this cancer is is probably throughout Gail's body. This is after she had transitioned. He said, did you, like, really understand all that? I I said, you know, John, I I didn't, probably. You know, but it was almost better that I didn't. Okay. Yeah, because maybe if I did, maybe I would have, when I had the first date, I would have got up and walked away. I mean, I don't think I would have done that, but in, in my case, in, in, in Gail's situation, in our love story, it, it was probably, and not probably, it was better I didn't know the extent, right? Because right? then maybe yeah. I wouldn't have risked or, and, and, and perhaps... Uh, I do want to caveat that because some people have asked me that question. And I said, well, honestly, um, I didn't start researching stage four breast cancer after I got off the phone with her before the date. I didn't do that. <laughs> you know, I, I went and said, I got to meet this woman. She seems really cool. So, yep. um, so maybe, maybe my naivete, and even though I had a stage one uh, rectal cancer, it was different, you know. So I, right. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, bringing that home to the points you're making in the understanding of when you have a serious condition, what it all means, uh, what can happen. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and each person's experience is so different too. That's right. Every one of us experiences, I mean, that's, that's real obvious in my support group with, with the dissection. I mean, even those of us that have identical diagnosis, our individual experience is so different because our individual health is so different, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even even if you research the condition, you're not really going to have that person's 
experience. You're not going to understand their personal experience and what they're going through, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. You you wouldn't really know. That's why you need to talk to them and be around them and see how they're do, dealing with it. So, I mean, you'd have some basics, but yeah, you you, you got to see what they're doing and how they're how they're handling oh, it sure. and their body's reacting. So, if a person and like this this all <laughs> this all started because one of the women in in my cancer support group was thinking about starting a relationship with somebody and she's stage four mm. and she was asking all of our opinions and asked what we thought mm. and my mm. comment was and I told her what I thought and then I said and then when you finish reading what my thoughts go to Amazon and get this book <laughs> so, and I said no, oh, thank you, Nikki. now I need to have Larry on the show <laughs> so, I just you know we we each have to do what's right for us, but since she was already thinking in that vein anyway, I said, you know, and so then to, you know, get somebody else's perspective on it that's been there, you need to read his book. There's, um, you know, it's interesting, you, you know, you mentioned when you put, and I think, Nikki, you've done this on your journey, and, and many of your listeners have, and I'm sure many in the support groups, which are great, because when you're willing to put yourself out there, whether it happens to be in a testimonial, in a book, in a video, whatever it happens to be, you're willing to put yourself out there, something incredibly positive will happen that you can't predict. Okay. And I got a, a note from a lady. Um, I think she's in Illinois. She married her husband. She was 23, and her husband was 29, and he had stage 4 cancer, and she married him. And they had uh, their first child and then, and then twins, three children. And he just passed away at age 34. Hmm. But she married him. And she knew, you know, every case is different. It, it wasn't necessarily that he was going to die in one year, two years, or it turned out for him five years of their marriage. But she said, this is the man for me. And, you know, she finds herself, uh, you know, a, a single mom and a widow now, but she said she didn't care. She felt that, you know, she was going to marry this guy and and it, he was the man for her, even even with cancer. So there's people out there when you put yourself out there and you make that choice. And, and I know it could be tough for a woman um, if they've, like Gail, you know, Gail had the mastectomy and you know, she had neck problems from the surgery, so there was things and chemo, you know, dusting to your skin. You, you know all that, you know, Nikki, and a lot yeah. of your listeners may know too. So, but she still had confidence enough to say, hey, um, you know, what I have here, I'm, I'm comfortable with. And, um, if so, uh, and I believe somebody else can be comfortable with it because there's, there's always someone else out there for you, and you have to keep that hope alive, right? We talked about that that if you put yourself out there, Gail did, something beautiful will happen and um, you'll attract somebody into your life. And, and Nikki, as you so um, uh, intuitively have said, every case is different. You don't know that somebody's going to necessarily pass away. I didn't think Gail was going to pass away in four months, and I don't think she did either. Uh, that's the way right. it turned out. But, and, 
and uh, this lady who reached out to me, she had five, you know, had five wonderful years and three children with this gentleman. And so um, love can take different turns. And with society, you know, our society now is um, there's rules, right, and expectations. And sometimes right. you need to put that aside and, and tap into your soul, right? What? Yes. What's important to you? Let's kind of keep society's expectations aside, you know, and um, if you do that, I think you're going to experience something that you never thought maybe that you experienced. I certainly did, you know, with Gail. Oh, stop Stop worrying about society. Society's mm-hmm. full of crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, want to, you want to tell the listeners how they can find more information about you in the book? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 126 Days, 11 Minutes, Our Love Story is presently available on Amazon Books, Amazon.com, in paperback or Kindle format. The audio version should be coming out any day now on Audible. I was hoping it was going to be out before Valentine's Day. It's still possible. I'm waiting any day. <laughs> and uh, so it, that's on Amazon's Audible um, audible division. So you can go in there and get the audio book. It should be coming out every day. I had two uh, senior voice actors who did Larry and Gale. I did not read it because I didn't want to emotionally go through it. And I just thought it would be strange doing it with another woman, frankly. So um, that's coming out. And um, if anybody wants to um, get a hold of me, it's I'm on LinkedIn. Larry Indiviglia, at Larry Indiviglia on LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook, um, at Larry Indiviglia. And um, uh, those are the two ways to do it. If you want to email me directly, I answer them all. Um, L Indiviglia, I know that's a mouthful, L-I-N-D-I-V-I-G-L-I-A at gmail.com. And um, that's, that's the best way to uh, find out more about the book. Um, I may do a work companion workbook to the book. I have a couple ideas in the works, but um, right now, to get the book out, it's fairly recent. That's the most important thing. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I will. I will have all the links for Larry and for the book on my website. If you go to www.readyforloveradio.com/slash 126 days, you will find it there. So, Larry, thanks a lot for being here today. I I enjoyed the conversation. I hope that the listeners got lots of benefit. Nikki, thank you so much. It was an honor to be on your show. Um, um, You really inspire so many people and how you're serving others. Uh, Continue to do that work because it certainly made a positive impact. And um, keep your health number one and stay healthy so um, we can continue to uh, learn and um, get all this great information and insight uh, from you and your show. I'm, I'm certainly trying. I'm certainly trying. And my, and my, my teams are, are doing their best to help me. <laughs> so Absolutely. Thank you. They are, they are working hard to, to keep, me, keep me as well as possible. And listeners, I'll be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio.